0: episode is brought to you by Mystic Lubricants. For a full look at their full range of top quality products, visit mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K-L-U-B-E-S.com. Hello and welcome back to this episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today, your co-hosts, Valin like- Cawhorn and Catherine Lotzfeich. <laughs> Listeners,
1: welcome back to this week's episode. We are exactly a week from Thanksgiving, which is super hard to believe. Um, It seems like I was just enjoying sunshine and now I'm bundled up and there's frost on the ground up here in Idaho. (laughs) I don't know if I'm running
0: here in Kersey, Val. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Okay, I won't complain then. (laughs) But we do need the moisture and um, I'm getting excited, Catherine, about having a, a long weekend and some good family time and some turkey if
0: we can find some. Um, Yeah same here we're getting ready for Thanksgiving next week we've got a little bit of family coming in a couple friends coming over and same I'm looking forward to a couple days off (laughs) it's been a busy fall. (laughs) Awesome
1: well before well we'll We've got an, a special guest here with us today, um, Dr. David Frame from the University of Utah. He's board certified and has been in the poultry industry for thirty plus years. So, with the the issue with the supply chain issues and some of the flu going around, we thought it'd be a good time to bring him on to discuss some of this. So, with further ado. Uh, Thank you, Dr. Frame for joining us. Um, and do you wanna give listeners a little bit of background about who you are and what, what your specialties are?
2: Well, thanks, Valaine and Catherine for having me on. Um, I am um, the Extension Poultry Specialist at Utah State University, not University of Utah. Oh, thank um, you for that clarification. The, it's a small small difference there. <laughs> but, it's uh, small but big. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I, I am a veterinarian. I've worked in, in the poultry industry as a poultry veterinarian for, oh, 30 years in either industry or with the university. And... Um, I actually did my residency at the University of California, Davis, and worked with about 7% of the, the egg industry in the state of California at that time. And um, I'm based in Ephraim, Utah, which is right in the heart of the of turkey country in Utah. And um, and yeah, I'm just happy to be here and uh, answer a few questions and hopefully um, enlighten your listeners a little bit on on the uh, turkey situation and also the avian influenza uh, situation is going along. Um, I know there's a lot of questions about that and uh, it's coming right on the heels of our um, own human coronavirus, the COVID uh, situation. And um, and so uh, I'm just happy to be here and um, fire away.
0: Excellent. Well, again, thank you for joining us. Um, It's cool to have someone from my home state to uh, to discuss this kind of thing. And also, um, you know, it's obviously very relevant with Thanksgiving just a week away. So let's jump right on in. Let's start with uh, the elephant in the room. What is going on with, um, you know, there's lots of reports of avian influenza going on, um, not just in the States, but all over the world. So tell us what's up.
2: The strain of Uh, Avian influenza that is in the United States right now has never been here before. It's a purely exotic strain that uh, originated in in, uh, Southeast Asia. It's uh, termed Eurasian strain, and um, it is extremely lethal. And we were hoping that uh, we would not see that on this side of the the ocean, but um, it did become uh, detectable back in December of 2021 on the Eastern Seaboard and actually in Canada, then it worked its way down uh, Eastern Seaboard and then worked its way uh, through the United States in in the uh, population of waterfowl that were migrating in the spring. And Utah is no exception. We've uh, had introductions here and um, it has, taxed USDA a lot because they, they send out crews um, in order to uh, try to snuff out these, these problems because it is considered a foreign animal disease. And, um, and so uh, these, these flocks are affected. Uh, the birds that are even that even survive are, um, are culled. And so it has caused uh, a, a considerable amount of uh, damage. Um, interestingly, though, the, um, the turkey population, uh, as far as going into the con- consumer market, is only about, uh, it's only affected about 2% uh, of that. And so uh, the poultry industry is very resilient and it can, um, it, it kind of prepared for these type of, of situations and the poult placements were uh, sufficient to keep the supply basically uh, available uh, for the public. We've heard a lot about uh, shortages in the store and so forth, and and probably the um, sizes that are going to be hit with uh, with this situation are going to be your uh, 20 pound plus sizes, simply because when the influenza virus came through uh, the United States, that was the phase that um, it took those turkeys out that would have been uh, ready for market at, at that at that age. And um, and so that's kind of what we're, we're sitting on. Um, This uh, virus is, it it comes packed already to kill. Um, Most influenza viruses will have to host adapt for a little bit before they cause any problems, but this one doesn't. And that's the reason why it's such a concern.
1: So what percentage of the poultry population thus far has been affected by the avian flu or approximately?
2: Well, we've had about uh, we've had over 7 million turkeys that have been um, called because of this. And uh, total um, bird population in the United States is above 50 million um, that uh, has been affected. And, and the egg production, the commercial egg uh, flocks, once they become infected, there's a lot of birds on those places. And that's what's raised it. Um, the unusual, there's two unusual things about this virus that uh, has not happened before. We did have a combination of a Eurasian-American uh, strain back in 2015. It was uh, termed a high path avian influenza also. Um, however, and, and it caused a lot of damage uh, at, at that time. Um, over the over time, we've learned how to kind of control these outbreaks with biosecurity and how to keep them out. Um, Not completely, obviously, because we still have problems with it. But um, the difference that this strain has, um, that's affected two things, backyard birds. And this is the first time in history that Utah has had outbreaks of influenza viruses in backyard birds. In fact, the first our first uh, detection of the virus in Utah happened in a suburban uh, small flock of six birds in the backyard. And uh, what happened was it, it had uh, access to uh, water that upstream, obviously, uh, ducks and geese had um, excreted the virus into. We have to remember that um, waterfowl are the natural hosts of all influenza viruses. and and um, there's there's over 144 different subtypes of influenza viruses, and within those subtypes, there's different strains. And this particular one is uh, an H5N1 strain. Uh, that probably doesn't mean a lot to people, but uh, uh, what that means is that it has the ability to become highly pathogenic and cause a lot of damage um, as it uh, as it as it replicates and um, and there's certain changes in the ge- in the gene that uh, can cause it to become more uh, pathogenic. So, number one is that we've had outbreaks in blackyard flocks in Utah, first time in history. The other thing is, is this particular strain is um, highly lethal. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, goose die-offs with it. And particularly here in Utah, we have the Canada goose during the, the summer and everything. We've seen a lot of geese die with it. And that's, that's never happened before. So uh, this is a, a bug to be reckoned with. And uh, we are doing all we can to try to control it and get rid of it here in the United States.
0: So I have a couple of questions with regard to, I guess, management of the disease. If um, If a flock is found to be infected, with this particular strain, is there any treatment at all? Or does does that flock have to be just culled?
2: If it's diagnosed in a flock, it's considered a foreign animal disease and the uh, federal government uh, is involved in it. And at this time it is considered a foreign animal disease and the way the government uh, takes care of those is to come in and actually uh, uh, eradicate the flock, try to snuff out the virus and that's, uh, that's how it's handled. And so if a if a if uh, an owner suspects that um, he might have a problem, and it's not too hard to figure it out, particularly for these, um, if you just have a few in the backyard, because uh, one day you might have one de- dead, and then the next day you might have all of them dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, these, these are reportable. Um, the first thing I would recommend is contact the uh, Department of Agriculture, and then they can take it from there, because we do need to know where these uh, outbreaks occur so that we can uh, control them.
0: Sure. So what about, um, are there, I guess, are there any, uh, I'm not sure if the word is reparations, but if a flock has to be culled in a commercial operation, are there any you know, subsidies for for those producers to sort of mitigate the loss or are they just kind of out in the cold?
2: There's what is called indemnity uh, for mm. these, um, these birds. Right now, uh, the government is able to uh, supply an indemnity. Um, so what they do is they go out and assess the flock and for all the birds that have to be called, they will give um, the company, um, in most cases, because the birds are usually owned by a company, because it's the, it's contract contract growers that uh, that raise these things, so the company will be given so so much per bird that is depopulated, and uh, then they also uh, will uh, indemnify the, some of the the cleanup and disinfect disinfecting of the premises itself, and uh, mm. and so while there's money available, you know that's how it goes but um, uh, you know if this continues on for a couple of years as is predicted by some of the experts you know um, who knows where this is going to go but that's the main uh, protocol right now is that um, the state involves the the, the uh, federal government they come in um, they have crews that are very efficient to uh, clean up and and uh, getting rid of these birds and things like that and then there is a certain indemnity that is given to the grower obviously it doesn't cover all costs because uh, you know it doesn't cover what that bird may have been worth in the at the processing plant or on the supermarket shelf but it does help alleviate some of the the burden
1: so how long is it before you know the bird's lifespan isn't you know as long as a beef cow or or such like that. But how long is it before they're able to repopulate that herd, you know, get those pullets back up to either meat, meat size or um, layer
2: birds? Okay, so um, when we're talking about chickens, we, uh, the, the small birds are called pullets. Um, when we talk about chickens or, or turkeys, I mean, they're called poults. And okay. uh, a poult is just a, a, a baby turkey. Uh, And so there's a big difference in management uh, techniques between um, the table egg layer situation and turkeys. Turkeys, um, it takes about 11 to 13 weeks to produce a um, a hen turkey that is oh somewhere around 12 to 13 pounds on the supermarket shelf. And uh, the tom turkeys, a tom is a male turkey, by the way, but the Toms, um, they they're raised in about um, anywhere from 15 to 17 weeks, and they're usually the larger sizes, and that's the reason why some of these larger sizes may not be available because the influenza hit the majority of the of the United States right during the time when at you know for Thanksgiving that would have been the time for those larger turkeys, um, so. Uh, the layer egg industry is a whole different uh, ball game. It takes um, from hatch until ready to lay. It takes about 18 weeks uh, for these these pullets to uh, mature and uh, start laying eggs. And so you're looking at uh, a little bit longer of a span of, of cycle on those things. And usually the uh, commercial egg farms have uh, tons of of um, they have a lot of birds on there and they're at different ages and they're in different buildings. And so it takes, you know, basically months to really repopulate the whole, the whole egg problem. And I know we're talking about turkeys, but, um, the eggs have been hit, uh, to a certain extent with the, with influenza too. And you, you've noticed that the egg prices are pretty high, but, uh, um, yes. <laughs> sometime during, during this thing, we need to talk about the, um, reason why, uh, turkey prices are high and egg, egg prices are high because there are some things and it's just not the influenza that's caused the
3: problem here. So. Yeah,
0: let's go ahead and do that in just a second. First, we're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, Mystic Lubes. Since
3: 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-K-lubes.com.
0: And we're back with Dr. David Frame this week talking about uh, avian influenza and the impact it has had on the poultry industry and particularly Thanksgiving turkeys as we head into our holiday weekend next week. So Dr. Frame, uh, you were just, you just gave us a really good overview of um avian influenza and now we want to turn our thoughts to uh the impacts on the consumers so just before our break you mentioned that eggs especially um their prices have kind of exploded and i actually just yesterday i was buying eggs and i was like 579 for 18 eggs what the heck (laughs) so tell us about that what is going on
2: okay there's a there's a number of reasons why um Egg prices and, and turkey prices are going to be higher this year, but uh, uh, basically it it boils down to the same four things. Uh, first of all, the, the disease situation, um, but that's almost uh, kind of, uh, it's not the most significant thing. The most significant thing is just an increased cost of production uh, because of uh, uh, the cost of feed, cost of labor, uh, ability to get labor, um, and uh, that's really what's what's causing the main increase here. Um, supply chains come into play too, uh, particularly with the with the turkey situation. Is that um, uh, folks may go to the store and and there's no turkeys there, and they think, oh man, we're short on turkeys, and this type of thing. And and uh, uh, the supply chain needs and how th- those orders are filled uh, may make it spotty this Thanksgiving season for maybe finding the size of turkey that you want in in your favorite store. You might have to search around a little bit, but um, generally speaking, there's really not a shortage. There should not be a shortage of turkeys, particularly frozen ones. Now, um, the fresh turkey market, that means that they're freshly killed and they're not frozen and they go out to the stores. That may be a little bit spotty simply because of uh, availability. And uh, people need to get their orders in early for that and make sure that uh, their supermarket that they shop in um, carries them. They may have to look around a little bit for those. Um, Fresh turkeys have a tendency to be a little higher in in cost. Um, And then the fourth thing that is causing um, problems, not only in the egg and the turkey industry, but just in general in in our economy, economy in general, these things are coming into play, but uh, the supply and demand, and it's just a fact of life in in capitalistic societies that uh, if uh, the demand is there, then um, cost is probably going to be increased. And so all these together have affected the, you know, the cost of uh, poultry products in general. Having said that, um, let's get back to the the turkeys i think that's what our main concern is here having said that uh, there should not um, uh, consumers should be able to find uh, turkey products in the stores but like i say they may be um, they may be frozen um, and also they may cost a little more the cost of production this year is uh, anywhere from um, 15 to 21 percent higher than last year the cost of turkey at the store right now the average uh, cost uh, per pound is around a dollar 46 to a dollar 50 a pound Um, but it you'll notice that um, some turkeys are going for as high as a dollar 99 a pound which is is quite high you know for for turkey and some stores may still be using turkey as a loss leader to get you into the store to buy other things also so shop around you may be able to find a place that uh, has turkey for say 69 cents a pound or whatever and um, that gets you into the store but uh, generally speaking you're going to it's going to cost you more for your your turkey this year and that's not the only thing I mean you look at the whole Thanksgiving dinner and the whole cost of the dinner is going to be more and uh, so uh, you know the poultry industry is no different than uh, any of the other uh, commodity groups
1: Well, I appreciate you bringing up those, you know, all four of those aspects. Cause we, you know, just driving home from uh, the cattle convention this week and noticed the diesel was up another 10 cents, you know, and, and luckily I have a gas pickup right now, but like the farm equipment we're running and stuff is like, we're headed into winter and able to buckle down a little bit, but it's, it's making us nervous too. So I think it's, it's good to put that in the forefront of everybody's brain too that it's it's a multifaceted issue and not just the the avian flu or that hot topic button that that seems to catch catch the news really really easily
2: absolutely and uh the informed consumers need to look at the whole the whole situation from from farm to fork so to speak because there's a mm-hmm. lot in the background there that uh, that many people do not really understand or realize. They just see the high prices, don't understand what goes on behind
0: them. Right, exactly. So uh, before we finish this conversation, we're going to pause one more time for a word from our sponsor, Mystic
3: Lubricants. Since 1922, Mystic Lubricants has been providing superior performance and protection for farmers who demand the most out of their equipment. Today, Mystic continues to develop products in real-world conditions that are specially formulated to meet the unique demands of your specialized machines. They provide advanced protection for engine longevity and are the choice of people who make a living working the land. Learn more about Mystic products at mysticlubes.com, that's M-Y-S-T-I-K-lubes.com.
0: And we are back with our guest this week, Dr. David Frame of Utah State University, a poultry specialist. And he's been telling us about uh, the incidence of avian influenza in the United States, um, what that's doing to the poultry industry, in particular, into our Thanksgiving turkeys. So uh, Dr. Frame, just to wrap up a little bit or to to, um, finish our conversation about uh, the impact on consumers, I guess one of my questions is, are the majority of American consumed poultry produced in the US or are there poultry imports um, as well? And do we export poultry out of curiosity?
2: We do We do export a certain um, amount of poultry. I couldn't tell you exactly what that is, but I can tell you that uh, 99% of the poultry products um, that we consume in the United States are produced here in the United States. And, um, and so that's uh, important to know also. And that's one of the reasons why we can control the market, uh, you know, and, and that the the turkey industry has done a wonderful job uh, this year in being able to, to navigate through these things to be able to have have turkey. We have to remember that turkey now is a year-round product. It's not uh, these growers just don't grow turkeys just for Thanksgiving. I mean, it's basically um, petal to the metal all year long on this stuff. And so um, that's the reason why they can adjust. And and we we do have turkeys available. Um, Maybe as my final thought to the consumers here is that uh, there's a few things that you need to do. First of all is buy, or get your turkey early, as early as you can. Um, If you're ordering fresh turkeys, hopefully those things have been ordered by now, but um, there may be a spotty availability of, of your fresh turkeys. But uh, turkey in general um, should be available. You may not get exactly the right size that you want. Um, you may have to shop around a little bit and, um, and then consider even turkey parts uh, or alternate meats if you can't find what you need. But uh, um, generally speaking, um, you should be able to find your Thanksgiving turkey products somewhere.
0: And just in case we can't find those turkey products, you're saying it's okay to eat beef for Thanksgiving? <laughs>
2: <laughs> As a poultry veterinarian. <laughs> I I eat beef too, so <laughs> but I Good do have everybody. To, but I do have turkey for Thanksgiving for sure.
0: Absolutely. It is the tradition. So now i just have to rip you a little bit since uh Val's from beef industry and uh, I'm from the dairy and beef is our secondary product. But anyway. <laughs> so, well,
1: Dr. Yeah. Frame, I think before we um Wrap wrap up. What are your Thanksgiving plans, and how do you cook your turkey? I think it'd be interesting coming from a poultry expert to know what's the best way to cook cook turkey.
2: You'll find all different um, ways to do that, and and on on some of these major websites, uh, they do show you how to how to cook turkey in different ways. But um, my favorite way to do it is to uh, to start with um, with a high temperature. For the first half hour to get that uh, sear onto the the meat, and then and then put it down to the, the normal temperature that's recommended on the bags uh, of turkeys. All bags of turkeys um, will have cooking, you know, instructions on it at some point. But I like that because it'll give you the good golden brown color on the outside, and uh, and then you just follow directions until you hit 180 degrees deep in those thigh muscles and into the breast muscles, and uh, and you'll be fine well
1: my That's mouth so. is watering and i can't wait to um <laughs> for thanksgiving dinner <laughs> <laughs> so Well, thank you again, Dr. Frame, for joining us. And thank you listeners for tuning into this week's episode of the Millennial Ag podcast. Um, You can reach out to us with any questions, comments at talk to us at millennialag.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We want to hear from you. Please like, rate, and review.